Hello everyone and welcome back to The Paddocks. In this episode, we're going to be talking all things Sergio Perez. This episode was actually pretty fun to do research for and we're going to be diving into everything. So his karting days, his like F3 days until like his last race in Mexico. Now, in the episode, we have Melissa, Casey, Leanne, and myself, Chelsea, and Mel is going to start us off with a little background on who Checo is. Born in Guadalajara, Jalisco, Mexico, on January 26, 1990, Sergio Michel Perez-Mendoza, or as he's known on track, and everyone else, Checo. He's the son of one of our favorite dads on the paddock, Antonio perez Garibari and Marilo, Marilu Mendoza Perez. Sorry for the slight mess-ups. He is also the youngest amongst his siblings. He has an older sister named Paola and an older brother named Antonio. And a fun fact about Antonio, he is a retired stock car racing driver as well. And he drove in the NASCAR Mexico Series. Checo is currently married to Carola Martinez and is the father to their four children. So now that you know a bit about the basics to know about Sergio Perez, let's dive into how he started in karting. I want to clarify that I think it's so cute that they all start at these little like karting driving championships um, at some point as kids. I think it's very sweet that every time we do these research episodes, I see those photos. But Checo did pretty well in the karting series as a kid. It was actually really Fun to read. He got four victories the first time he ever did a karting champion. So his first year was like 1996. And he got runner up for the series in total. He was also like so young compared to the other people competing very often. So in 1987, he was the youngest driver to move up for the youth class category. And it was really funny because even though he was the youngest, he went on to kick a lot of the big kids' butts. He won five podiums, he got a win, like P1 finish, and he ended up fourth in the whole series. He stayed kicking butt, and he ended up being the youngest ever to win the series in 1998. In that season, he ended up getting eight wins, and in 1999, moved over to the 80cc shifter category. So he was so young in the series, he literally had to get permission to race because he was like, I think below the age, maybe by a year. And so he had to get special special permission to join the series. He got permission, though. He was great to go. And he ended up <laughs> um, being the youngest to ever win a competition in the series. So that was awesome because I started noticing, at least in his karting career, he was always the youngest in like every series he joined. In 2000, he did it again, and getting permission again, was able to move up to the 125cc. Now, this time, he ended up finishing as the national runner-up. He was only behind a few points, and by 2003, he was already leading in the series with two different championships. So, um, the 125cc series was like the car he was driving, and then he was in two separate championships for this, and he was leading in both of them. But um, sadly, he did have to withdraw halfway through the championship. There was only like seven races left. But when I was doing the research, I couldn't find out why his family withdrew. So not really sure. He did end up making a comeback, though. And he ended up competing in this series called an Easy Cart 125 Shootout. 
And it was really cool because he was competing against drivers from like all around the world. It was not just like central or a specific area. And he won the race. And he was, again, the youngest driver in the whole championship. So I'm just imagining like this little Checo in this little cart just kicking like a 14-year-old's butt or like, I don't know, 18-year-old. It's kind of funny. Anyways, him consistently winning these little competitions like it was really good for him because he was doing this as the youngest driver in almost every category that he was getting into and i think that's one of the reasons he started garnering just so much attention from these future sponsors and because of these people kind of keeping an eye on him he went on to compete in a few other series so we had the skip the skip barber championship in the u.s that was in 2004 he got 11th We had Formula BMW. He finished 14th. That was in 2005. And we had the A1 Grand Prix. And here, he was the third youngest driver to ever attend a round. So that was, I think, again, very funny. Youngest keeps kind of showing up in his thing. Anyways, all of these championships, they came with a lot of moving around. In the sense that, like, this man was going all over Europe um, and America. So it wasn't until, like, 2007 where we saw him settle down just for like a minute and this was in oxford funny enough and he ended up joining the british formula 3 championship now in the formula 3 championship this was 2007 and here we saw checo compete in the national class which was basically a series for older chassis and he was competing with the t-sport team so he ended up doing really well like super well in the series he won the championship by this like really nice solid margin i think it was like almost eight or ten points and he was winning like two-thirds of the races so basically he was winning and most of the races he was winning was also a pole position that he was already starting the day with so he ended up on podium besides like two races for the whole championship He almost did that again in 2008, like the beginning of the season was going super well. And then suddenly mid-season, his lead just like started declining um, until he basically finished in fourth place, which was obviously a few steps down from last season. But the team was also using a new engine. Um, They were like a different brand from the year prior. So, you know, that could have been a cause for change. Did have to be the driver. But He ended up moving on, and he started to race in GP2, which KC did the research on. Uh, So yeah, after Formula 3, he moved up a class to GP2, and by doing this, he was actually the first Mexican driver to compete at that level of racing since Giovanni Alloy in 1990. And so the first kind of series that he competed in GP2-wise was the 2008-2009 GP2 Asia Series with Barwa International Campus team, where he took his first win in Secure, which will become an important track in his career, and his second win at Qatar, finishing seventh in the standings. Checo then went on to compete in the main 2009 GP2 Series with Telmex Arden International, where he would manage to get two podiums, but unfortunately no wins, and would finish the series in 12th. During the offseason, he would go on to compete in four races of the 2009-2010 to GP2 Asia Series with Barwa ADAX team, finishing 15th before continuing with the team in the 2010 full GP2 Series. Chico had a much more successful second season in GP2, winning five races and managing to finish runner-up to Pastor Maldonado. 
So by October 2010, it was announced by Sauber that Checo would be joining the team, taking the place of Nick Heidfeld. During this announcement, Sauber had also announced their partnership with Checo's sponsor, Telmex. For those who don't know, Telmex essentially is a telecommunications company that provides products, phones, plans, etc., and services throughout Mexico, essentially the Verizon to the U.S., Telmex is to Mexico. Anyways, Checo became the first Mexican driver since Hector Rebeque in 1981, and all of this was going on while he was joining the Ferrari Driver Academy at the same time, so he was pretty busy. In his first F1 race in Australia, Checo finished in seventh place, and this had impressed a lot of viewers because he was the only driver had used a one-stop strategy for the pit stops. Unfortunately, Checo and his teammate were later disqualified for some technical regulation infringements. Sad days, but it goes on. Checo earned his first points at the Spanish Grand Prix, where he finished ninth, one spot ahead of his former teammate, Kamui Kobayashi. Sorry if any mispronunciations in 10th. And then towards the end of July 2011, Sauber announced that both Checo and Kobayashi would be driving for the team for the following 2012 season. Checo finished the 2011 season in 16th with 14 points in the Drivers' Championship. Now, at the very early points of the 2012 season, Checo was already starting to turn heads. At the Malaysian Grand Prix, the second race of the season, Checo went head-to-head with Fernando Alonso for the win. So just imagine that your second year and you're already going against some champions. Checo was able to close the gap to about like half a second, but went wide at a turn and lost some time, ultimately finishing second. This is also Sauber's first finish as an first podium finish as an independent team. And many began to speculate that Checo would move to Ferrari in the near future, but he was quick to turn down any rumor that was going around. Checo later earned his second podium finish at the Canadian Grand Prix, where he started 15th in the race and finished third. Checo got his third podium finish at the Italian Grand Prix, similar to the Canadian one, where Checo started 12th and made his way up to second. Impressive, to say the least. In this season, he finished in 10th with 66 points in the Drivers' Championship. He finished six points higher higher compared to his former teammate, Kobayashi. So after Lewis Hamilton declared that he was going to be moving on to Mercedes, Checo was announced as his replacement at McLaren. This move signified the end of Checo's time in the Ferrari Driver Academy and was also covered in McLaren's little animation that they had at the time called Tune, which I highly recommend uh, for anyone to watch. It's pretty funny and I really think they should bring it back. He managed to get his first points with the team after finishing ninth in the Malaysian GP and would go on to score more points throughout the season, but not without getting himself the reputation of an aggressive driver, even from his teammate Jensen Button. After a collision with Kimi Raikkonen in Monaco, Kimi said that Checo should be, quote, punched in the face, which is a bit wild, but very Kimi. He finished the season in 11th place, but this would be his only year with McLaren. And it was his only year at McLaren because on December 12, 2013, it was announced that Paris would be joining the Force India racing team alongside Nico Hulkenberg for the 2014 season. He had earned his first point for the team at the Australian Grand Prix due to Daniel Ricciardo being disqualified for some breaching fuel limitations. He originally finished the race in 11th, but because of the disqualification, he was bumped up to 10th. 
Two races later at the at the Bahrain Grand Prix, Checo earned his first podium with the team since 2009. He managed to keep the then Daniel Ricciardo and a Red Bull behind and finished in third. By November 2014, ahead of the Brazilian Grand Prix, Force India had announced that Checo would continue racing with the team for the 2015 season. However, Checo didn't confirm and say that they were still going through some contract negotiations. So interesting little drama there. But it was later confirmed in December at the Abu Dhabi Grand Prix that Checo would stay with the team until the end of the 2016. 2016 season. Checo finished the season in 10th place with 59 points in the Drivers' Championship. And by the 2015 season, Checo managed to achieve one podium finish at the Russian Grand Prix. During the season, Checo managed to finish in the top five spots in the Belgium, U.S., and Abu Dhabi Grand Prix. Checo finished the season in general in ninth with 78 points in the Drivers' Championship this season. Unfortunately, in 2016, he didn't have a great start. Long story short, the then VJM09 for Force India was just not up to par with the rest of the grid. At the Monaco Grand Prix, Checo did manage a podium finish in the wet weather, finishing in third. And at the European Grand Prix, he had achieved another third place finish after receiving a gearbox penalty from a crash during the three practice sessions. Essentially, at this race, he started from seventh and was able to work his way up the grid literally up to the last lap. And then he finished the season in seventh place with 101 points in the Drivers' Championship. And going off of what Melissa said, you would think he would keep jumping up in the Drivers' Championship, but I don't have that news for you going forward. In 2017, we saw Ocon join the team as Checo's partner, Esteban Ocon. And while Checo did really well, and I mean, he even like maintained a streak. I think he had 17 point finishes and it was going super fun. It was mucked up. Um, he had a crash in Monaco with Daniel Cavat and a couple of moments after of, um, I'm going to say disagreements with just like his own teammate. In Canada, he just wouldn't let Ocon go through, which almost caused an accident. Um, and then in Baku, they actually did crash into one another because Checo was trying to get P1 and um, Ocon was just trying to go through. It didn't work out. I think this just messed up like his whole mojo because he was not as consistent after the fact and ended up finishing the season in seventh. So just like in 2016, except this time 100 points. He was missing one point. So not not great. Now, 2018, if you were, like, watching Formula 1 2018, or if, like, you just watched Drive to Survive, you probably know about this, it was a little complicated, to put it simply, even though none of it was really simple. Because, you see, while Checo was doing his job on the track, he was also dealing with Force India being put on administration due to what I'm just going to chuck up as financial issues, and he had a part in that. Not in... The financial issues were more like trying to fix the issues. So if you listen to our Aston Martin episode, we go way more in depth on what happened. But basically, Checo was in the middle of it. So imagine you're trying to, you know, drive on the grid for the team. You're also technically kind of suing. Um, so while he's fighting out there for point finishes on the track, he did accomplish that. Okay. He got points at Azerbaijan, Baku, Spain, France. Austria, and Germany. 
And throughout the season, we saw Force India becoming Racing Point Force India. And this is when it was bought out by Lawrence Stroll, which is, you know, Lance Stroll's father. Now, Checo ended up finishing the season with point finishes in nine races after the summer break. And while he <laughs> while he did cause another collision with Ocon, and he did get some backlash for it, he apologized. He said it was on him. He still came out eighth in the championship, and he beat his teammate. He beat Ocon and was the only non-Mercedes, Ferrari, or Red Bull driver to finish on the podium that season, which I think is a win in itself. So after being with the Force India team for many years, Checo does stay with the new team after ownership. And uh, finally, let's just say parts ways with Esteban Ocon uh, and gets a new teammate, Lance Stroll, for the 2019 season at Racing Point. So the car development had been kind of disrupted by the many legal and administrative and administrative issues the past year. But even despite that, Checo managed to bring the car to a points finish in Bahrain, China, and Azerbaijan before going on an eight-race-long no-point streak, unfortunately. His luck would turn around after the summer break, where he finished in the points for every race except for Singapore, where he had to retire the car due to an oil leak. Checo would then finish the 2019 season in 10th place. He stayed with the team for 2020 and finally had a race-winning car. Despite missing the British Grand Prix and the 70th anniversary Grand Prix due to testing positive for COVID, Checo had quite an impressive season. He finished in the points in all but four races, two from illness and one from retirement. Checo announced that he would be leaving the team in September of 2020 with no guaranteed drive for next year. He continued the season determined to prove to other potential teams that he deserved to stay in Formula One. He was on the podium for the ninth time in his career after a second-place finish in Turkey, but everything culminated at the secure Grand Prix. Despite qualifying in fifth, Checo was hit at the start, dropping him to the back of the grid. He then fought his way back up through the positions to take his and Racing Point's first-ever Grand Prix win. Checo was the first Mexican driver to win a race in 50 years since Pedro Rodriguez won the Belgian Grand Prix in 1970. His impressive drive in secure as well as finishing fourth in the championship, caught the eye of top team Red Bull, who would sign Checo on to drive for them in 2021. Now, his move to Red Bull, Checo, we were happy to have you there, but it was sad because this was also the end to Alex Albon's time at Red Bull because Checo basically came in for what I am putting quotation marks as Alex's poor performance. Now, to be honest, though, Checo did start off a banger, um, he got fifth place in Bahrain after starting at 11th, so we got to see his famous moving of going up the grid, you know, going in the 11th really doesn't stop him. And he started front row Nimola. He got a P1 in Azerbaijan. He got a podium in France and a fourth in Styrian before his streak of points came to a halt at the Belgian Grand Prix. So where he had been steadily just kind of in the front competing with drivers, like he was going against Lewis and Max. And at this time, they were basically the ones leading the whole championship. The Belgian GP saw him crash in quali. And then he started in the back for race day and he ended up finishing 20th. But he, he landed in 19th because Lance got a penalty. So that was a disappointing day. Thankfully, though, I don't think the weekend ruined Checo's confidence like his mo like his mojo was still good because the following race in Turkey he was back on the points like he finished third for the podium 
And then that P3, he got the spot again in Coda. He was just behind Lewis and Max. And honestly, I guess Checo was already like on a roll again because he did a podium again. And he got his third podium three weekends in a row, getting P2 right behind Hamilton. And we have to remember, this is like Hamilton, like when he had just trying to win another championship. Like he's already there. So the last race of the season, this is the one where I'm going to say Max Verstappen may have taken the title away from Lewis a little unfairly. And Max won his first championship. But this is what I really liked about this race because since we're talking about Checo now, this is where we really saw like a true Checo and Max partnership moment because this is where the Minister of Defense truly came out and Max was able to beat Lewis with the help of his teammate by a mere seven second gap. So while Checo did end up retiring from the race, like he didn't even finish this race um, because he had engine problems. He helped Max like win. He was able to defend Lewis or I'm sorry. Yeah, to defend from Lewis. So I thought it was really nice that after the race, Max was still quick to thank Checo for his work and said it's very rare to have a teammate like that. He was a real team player. And I really hope we can continue this for a long time. This season was the best Checo had ever had in the Drivers' Championship since he had joined Formula One, and he ended the season in P4 with 190 points. So, that was a good one. Now, because of the last season, we had high expectations for Checo. You know, at least if you're going based off the results we just saw in 2021, and I think he really pulled through for fans. In hindsight, he accomplished so many things in this single season of F1. He got his first pole position in Saudi, the first Mexican to ever do so in Formula One. His contract got resigned until the end of the 2024 season, which we will talk about. And he had his best season ever in Formula One. Like, I know I just said that, but the guy just kept doing better. So you know what? Best season again. Because let's go over just all these big wins real quick. He had a podium in Australia, a P1 finish in Monaco. This is when he got re-signed, by the way. It was like that weekend. He got a podium in Silverstone, another P1 finish in Singapore, a podium in Mexico. And then this was the best part for Red Bull. They had a 1-2 finish for five races. Imola, Spain, Azerbaijan, Belgium, and Japan. And I want to clarify, Checo almost got it a couple times, but he did not. Anyways, the final race of the season in Abu Dhabi, this is where it's a little sad. We saw him fighting for second place in the championship with Charles. He was tied at 280 points. But due to some fighting on the track with drivers, like this man was fighting with everyone this race. He was fighting with Beto, Alonso, Lewis. He basically just lost like valuable seconds. Ending the race 1.4 seconds behind Charles and in P3 for the Abu Dhabi Grand Prix. So what did this do? He ended up ending the season third in the Drivers' Championship with 305 points. But you know what, Chaco? That's great. That's Miami. That's okay. 305. You're great. He is doing well. I think this season, he's hit a bit of like, I don't know, a bump in the road. But generally, like, he was doing pretty well. 
Yeah, I think like he started off pretty strong. He got some wins in, and then I don't know what happened. I think he might have gotten into his head this year a little bit. And like once you get in that kind of rut, it's really hard to like dig yourself out of it, especially when it keeps ha- happening and it like keeps going down and down and down, like spiraling basically. Um, you know, just just last week, you know, crashing out turn one in your home Grand Prix has got to like mentally be awful. Like I, I really feel bad for him. Hopefully in like the remaining, like the season's almost over, which is crazy. Can't believe that. But hopefully in the next, you know, couple races, you know, Checo can come back into his form from the beginning of the season and, you know, podiums and a little bit better, but there's just so many rumors going around. It's like silly season dropped like three months late. So lots happening. Has Checo's contract been... Because I know there's like a lot of talk like Danny's going to take it. Yuki's going to take it. Lou, uh, what's that guy's name that was in the race for a few? What's his name? Liam. Yeah. Thank you. Liam's going to take it. I was about to say Lewis. Maybe. Anyways, all these people are going to take Checo's seat. That has got to suck to read that every time you get on basically any social media from Thursday to Sunday. With management also not exactly like supporting you in the best way they could and it's not only through all of this management but it's just but... People outside of the formula one team not to name any names but we all know the big name that we're all talking about he <laughs> must not be named um is not the nicest person which sucks because i really thought that he was going to be fighting for that championship title this year and i was really looking forward to that fight because i remember it just got to the point where I accepted that Red Bull dominance, but I was just like, if it has to be one of the two, I would prefer Checo, someone different. He's Latino for the people. It would make sense. But yeah, like AC said, when he got into like that rut, he lost his like mojo and everything. It just kind of sucked seeing him because you can tell he just couldn't snap out of it or like come back out of it. And I can just imagine when you guys started talking about the stuff on social media and everything I always see on Twitter, people always like Photoshop his face onto like the Alcatari suit or like making memes that someone's coming after his scene and everything. And I'm like, can we just like chill for a second? Like, like how would you feel if you were in his position type situations? Like what I always kind of think sometimes they are funny, but I feel bad majority of the time. I think the problem was there was like a certain point where we really did think that he was competing with Max. Like, we really did have the I mean, he got two podi like he got two first places early on the season. If I'm not wrong, I think it was Saudi and Azerbaijan, I think. And so we saw that happen. We were like, oh yeah, he's gonna compete with Max. It's gonna be like Checo or Max. And then suddenly we were just like, oh, oh my god, oh my god, is Lewis about to pass like Checo now because they're only twenty points apart, you know? And it sucks that he went from like almost top of his game to. The poor man is almost weekly now saying, like, I'm working on my mental health. And it's like, baby, I hope you are. Because what the hell? I think it was Miami where, I think it like, was I think too. he was on pole. And, you know, Max just zooming by him. Like, you're in the same car. Like, that's got to hurt. You know, I think. And the, that's where he was like, oh, wow. He could feel like the championship kind of falling away at that point. And. To think that if Lewis hadn't been disqualified in Texas, they would be like even on points right now. Yeah. With three races to go. And then I 
I believe Brazil's a sprint race. So that's like an extra chance to get just, you know, a couple points, which at this point I think is what it's going to come down to for P2 is that I think it's going to be pretty close between Lewis and Checo. Almost like last year too, because it came down to the final race. Abu Dhabi was the first F1 race I ever watched. So it's crazy that P2 for like the second year in a row is going to probably come down to that last race. I think it is too. And I think it's just going to come down to as well, like strategy within the Red Bull team. Cause we know in the last few races last year, there were some strategies that weren't going along with Checo's favor to help him out in the championship to maintain or to, yeah, to like get above Charles for that P2 spot. Cause I remember hearing some radios that were like, come on, like, like think about the championship and everything like that. And it's like, he doesn't get like that support anywhere. So I can just imagine because he's one hell of a driver. It's just something's not clicking right now because seeing him like start from like the back or wherever in the midfield and just like kind of mosey his way all the way to the top or like to the podium. It's fun to watch. He knows what he's doing. It's just something's just not there. I think part of it is his driving style isn't it's different. It's very different than Max's and if the car is because Max is doing really well, if it's kind of geared more towards his driving style, if your driving style is not like that, it's just going to be harder because then you have to like overcome just the way the car is to drive it better. So if it's not like just naturally more like what Checo would like, I feel like it's just harder to to drive. And that's got to be like an added difficulty, you know, to just driving a Formula One car. Yeah, I think the car is definitely made geared towards Max which I get because if you look at his points, I would probably do it too as a principal. But it does suck seeing the result on Checo. But I am hoping for a better season. I feel like Abu Dhabi, there's something about the track in him that he doesn't seem to really do bad on it. So maybe that could be the weekend that saves his ass against Lewis because... I really do think it's going to be another like Charles situation where it's like maybe a point off. I don't know. I think it's crazy though. I mean, at least he's fighting with Lewis. That's that's someone to be proud of fighting with for the points. Although Lewis's seat is way more secure. Oh yeah, he just resigned. <laughs> yeah, I think. Does anyone know about like those points with the Danny thing? I don't understand that. What do you mean the points with the Danny? Or not Danny, I'm sorry, with Max. So, like, he has to, like, not be as far apart in so many points. Or it's like yeah, it's like a certain amount of points I read that, like, it's like a little, like, exit clause type thing that they have within Checo's contract where it's, like, he can't yeah. surpass, like, X amount of points because then that's when, like, his seat's at risk, which is wild to me. Yeah, it's uh, we yeah. don't know for sure because it's like, also over really yeah, but it's so wild to think that like but, that could be because it's at the yeah. same time. Like, <laughs> where do you guys get this information? People that work at the arena, I'm guessing, and just listening. If I worked at one of those things, like I'd be nosy. Yeah, I think it's if he was like 150 points off of max, like below below max. But I mean, I know Red Bulls like they're they want a one two in the championship so bad. They've never done it, even though they've won you know, seven, like, drivers' championships and, you know, several constructors. They've never gotten, like, that one-two in the championship standing, so they really, really don't want to lose it. <laughs> um, because, like, Checo, you know, 
has been really close to it. So they just a little bit more, just a couple more points, and hopefully, like he can clinch that one too. I think if he does that, it will definitely, I feel, make his seat potentially a little bit more secure if he can get that. Like, or at least put place. up more of a fight, not get the NF right at the first turn or a few laps in. Don't hate me, Checo fans, but I hate when that happens too, because it sucks to see a driver get knocked out like that at a home race. That was heartbreaking. It was almost Charles-level bad luck at home race. Okay, so I calculated this. He's 251 points behind Max right now. So Max has 491 points. Sergio Perez has 240. Max is just Uh, on a different planet. I don't know what that clause is, but I think we should just void it because it's not fair right now. Okay, it's just not fair. We're just going to... I honestly just think the amount of difference in points is disgusting, but like we just can't compare it. If you compare him to the average driver scoring, he's doing phenomenal, right? Like if you compare him to every single other driver, the man is doing phenomenal. If you compare him to Max, you're going to do what you're doing to every other driver, which is what the heck are they doing? But I was going to say to add on to the whole points thing and everything, I know I've seen like other... F1 fans talk about how they don't like there's really like no need for like checking to be like finishing like P1 like on the podium like every single race and everything but like you're in the fastest car out of the whole grid in the most dominating like era right now and you can't even finish like at least in the top 10 maybe like top 5 like at least to like support your team and that leave it for your teammate and it's like that's where like i get the critics but at the same time i'm like uh like max is just in, like Aliva, like max is just it his sucks. own like league at the end of the day so it just sucks it sucks it also doesn't help that lewis is like doing very well and getting a lot of podiums um uh, which means a lot of points so if checo didn't have any competition from the other teams he'd be fine but everyone's fighting they know they can't beat max so it's just like an all-out brawl all i can think is like a, it's a lewis renaissance making a comeback i don't want to jinx it though look what happened to you know fernando <laughs> yeah r.i.p that dream <laughs> no but i don't know I think it would suck if he's not there next season since he already has the contract. But I would also understand from like a money point of view, like just being a business person, why it wouldn't be a smart decision to keep Checo. I'm really happy the rumor about him retiring in Mexico is wrong because I read that everywhere. But I am curious what he will do next season if he's not with Red Bull because I don't I don't I don't know the seats next like next year we talk about this every time I don't know where anyone's going but it looks like everyone's kind of staying and that seems to be the theme except for like maybe three people I don't think there's I gonna see. be I don't think there's gonna be any rookies next year not that I know of when's the last time that happened I think it's kind of like we went from... Go ahead and Google, girl. 
I think it's kind of like we went from having the oldest grid in the sense that everyone was kind of like becoming parents and blah 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 and now like reset so now we're at the youngest grid which I think technically the youngest grid was 2019 I'm not sure but whatever it was like the youngest grid and then we just kind of kept them really in hindsight I mean George, Lando, and Alex, I think, all came in the same season. They're all still here. That's three rookies. Um, I think Esteban and there was Esteban and someone else came together and they're still here. I can't remember if it was Pierre or if it was Dan no, if or if it was um I can't remember who it was. Whatever. A bunch of these people are young. They're like they're all, if I'm not wrong, under thirty or maybe if a couple of them are over forty. But we don't see them leaving anytime soon because they're both doing perfectly well. So it's like, I don't really see a seat opening up unless someone just gets kicked. Which I also don't see happening because they're all doing decently well in what they have. Even I don't Logan. think we'll hear anything until after the season's over. I think no one's going to say a word until after Abu Dhabi. That sucks. Which is also this month, which is insane. I'm excited. Like, I know this weekend will be fun, and I hope it goes well for, like, Checo and these people, but holy crap. That was quick. There's also just too much talent, like, in racing than there are seats in F1. So much. Every time we talk about another series, we're like, I hope this person can get into F1, and this person, I'm like, where? Where are you all putting them? Like, Mexico is great just because, like, the FP1 session, where it was, like, five different rookies. Like, yeah. Poor Tio, poor uh, Tio Porcher. Like, that was heartbreaking. He didn't even really get to drive the car. But, like, it was fun seeing some, you know, fresh blood out there doing their thing, learning how F1 cars work. I think we'll see that again in Abu Dhabi for FP1. And then they don't, I don't know if they, like, broadcast the young driver's test. Um, but the best young driver, uh, Fernando Alonso. That's still <laughs> hilarious to me that they, they chucked him in the young driver's test. But... I don't know. I do think um, I think Liam Lawson got screwed the most this season, if I'm being honest. Yeah. But hopefully he has a better one, and we could do a show about him one day when he's on the F1 track. Permanently. Permanently. <laughs> <laughs> but we can talk about more than his F2 life. He did get a P2 in Super Formula. Hmm. Good for him. I love that. Okay, Liam, get out of here. It's Checo's episode. But, I mean, I know the man has a life outside of the track. I know he's still private about it, but he has to have a life off of it. Um, but, yeah, no, he definitely has a life outside of F1. Like, But, yeah, Checo and his brother, they're actually known for being avid Mexican football fans. And we're talking about football soccer here. Um, both had actually said in the past that they had considered changing their own careers from motor sports to playing football professionally. So can you just imagine a Checo playing in the World Cup? That image just kind of like started playing in my head. Who knows? Maybe 11. But they're also known to be friends with Javier Hernandez, better known as Chicharito, who used to play for the Mexican national team. And also during a different interview with the Formula One official website, Checo himself had even said he would become a lawyer if he did not follow career in driving, which I thought that was kind of cool. Um, to find out, I like finding out like little interesting facts of like stuff that drivers are like into and everything. And amongst research, I learned that he also created a foundation 
a few years ago. When it was in 2012, um, he unveiled the Checo Perez Foundation to support orphans and children with cancer. Special place in my heart when people do stuff like that. And his sister, Paola, actually is the foundation's president. So I love that it's like a whole family affair and it's thus well in the world. So, and I'm in a much needed country for a much needed population. So I thought it was kind of neat. You know, he would be a soccer player, lawyer. He has his little foundation. We love to see it. Honestly, him wanting to be a lawyer makes sense to me because of the whole racing point thing. But we are going to be closing out the episode. And I had to go with a quote that I saw on the Formula One website. So this is official. You can go on there. And when you look up Checo's biography, this is the first line. He's the fighter with a gentle touch from the land of the Lucha Libre. Sir, why do we have to bring Lucha Libre into it? about natural libre anyways thanks for coming to the episode <laughs> all right before we wrap out this episode i did just want to give a quick little shout out to my favorite on track dad papa perez because honestly how can you not smile the second that man shows up on your screen on your phone the f1 socials and cam ops love to show him and i appreciate it because it makes you know the sad things that happened to Checo this season a little bit brighter what's your favorite sergio moment in his career so far let us on our socials everywhere we are at paddock girls podcast except twitter there you can find us at paddock girls pod and as always don't forget to rate and share the podcast on apple and spotify we would really really appreciate it Thanks so much for joining us in the paddock this week. See you on Wednesday for our Brazil recap. Bye.